0: Welcome to Prophecy Countdown with author and pastor Kenneth Baer. Join us every week for the latest updates on what the Bible has to say about the events, the characters, and prophetic signs of the return of Jesus Christ and His coming Kingdom. Make sure you not only subscribe but like your favorite episodes and share it with your friends. Now on with the broadcast.
1: Episode, another update for a prophecy countdown. I'm Pastor Ken Bear with Faith Dialogue. You know, Faith Dialogue provides uh, two updates each week on this this uh, this this podcast, both video and audio, that we call Prophecy Countdown. Uh, on Sundays, we're presently going through the Gospel of Matthew, and that's our message for today. Uh, we go through chapter by chapter and verse by verse. Today we will be in chapter 10, and the the topic of my lesson today will be. Lose Your Life. It's based on verses 34 through 39. It will premiere at at one o'clock on on Sundays, Eastern Standard Time. Now on Wednesdays, our updates and I hope you tune in for Wednesdays. Wednesdays is our Prophecy-related updates. We take one of the questions that come into us. That's where we get our questions from Prophecy Update. Uh, we love answering questions. Uh, we, uh, we, If you have a question, please send us an email. Uh, our email address is prophecycountdownpodcast at gmail.com. That's prophecycountdownpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your your questions because if you have the question, Others will as well, and we'd love to be able to answer them. We answer all of our emails, by the way. But let's get into our Sunday message. Our Sunday message, we'll be reading uh, chapter uh, 10 of Matthew, verses 34 34 through 39. Again, the topic of my message today is Lose Your Life. Jesus says this in verse 34, Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to set man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. So verse 39 that I just read is obviously our, our key verse. You know, these, these verses that I just read, starting in verse 34, are sometimes considered by many to be some of the more difficult sayings of Jesus. And I'll address why they're considered difficult. Uh, but we have to first remember the, the context. In this context, in chapter 10 of the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is sending out his, his disciples. He's sending out his, his disciples into what was called hostile territory. And he already told them that there were going to be some that accept the message and some that reject it. And he told them that uh, if people rejected the message, he, they were to shake the dust off of their sandals and take their teaching uh, to another town, to go somewhere else. But again, this idea that there are going to be some people that accept the message and some people that reject the message of Jesus Christ, of the coming, uh, the, the Messiah, that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. There's going to be some people that accept it and some people reject it, and that'll include our own households. You know, within our own household, I don't know of anybody that uh, uh, that any of my neighbors, any of my friends, uh, that will tell me that their entire household are, are all Christians and following Jesus Christ. It's certainly not the case in my household. I mean, there are some that reject and some that that uh, some that accept and some that reject the teaching, and as a result, uh, there's going to be conflict. There's going to be hostility. And there's a a reason for this. There's a reason why these verses, even though we understand that, are are difficult to understand. And it's because Jesus is using pretty harsh language. And that's very unlike Jesus. Jesus is this this kind, gentle shepherd. Uh, But Jesus speaks the truth in love. And in these verses, he's doing exactly that. But this is what some people have a problem with this. Number one was that Jesus' primary message was what? It was peace. In many parts of the Bible, including the teachings of Jesus, there's messages of peace, love, and reconciliation. Remember, Jesus started off in chapter 5 with the, uh, with the Beatitudes, saying, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Jesus also said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I've loved you, you are to love one another. By this, people will know that you are my disciples because of your love for one another. That's John chapter 13. And Jesus is also known for reconciliation. Jesus in the same Sermon on the Mount said that if we are bringing our gift to the altar and remember that we have anything against, a brother has anything against us, that we're supposed to leave the gift at the altar and go and reconcile first with our our brothers. So Jesus' message of peace and reconciliation doesn't jive with what we read here in verses 34 through 39. But the gospel is complex, my friend. There are people that will accept, there are people that will reject. And this is why it's, it's so challenging sometimes for us. Now the second reason uh, that people have difficulty with these verses is because Jesus is addressing broken family relationships. Well, quite frankly, they are. I mean, there's many broken family relationships. Some of our are directly, resulted, directly a result of people either accepting or rejecting a message that somebody's passionate about. And you either have to address them in the Bible or completely ignore them. Uh, and, and this is the thing. If people reject the message, they'll also reject the messenger. That's a saying, right? Uh, you know, don't, don't crucify the, the one that brings the message. But that's related to Jesus. If people reject our message, most likely they're rejecting us as well. Uh, Jesus says this. It's, it's, it, he says something very difficult. He says, he who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Well, what is Jesus saying with that? Well, Jesus is saying he wants to be priority. He wants your allegiance. As we talk about this verse, we'll get into this verse it's, because it's really key. We'll talk about it in a minute. Uh, however, what Jesus is interested in is a radical restructuring of priorities. You know, if you remember back when you came to, to Christ, it, you radically changed your behaviors and who you were, and what you watched, and how you talked, and and what you did on Sundays, if anything, right? What you did with your spare time—it's a—it's a radical transformation, and Jesus wants us to do that. Now, now, finally, the reason that people have difficulty with these sayings of Jesus in verses thirty-four through thirty-nine is because of one word, and that word is the word "sword." First thirty-four says, "I did not come to bring peace, but a sword." Now. Almost all scholars understand that Jesus is not talking about a physical sword like it does in, in Islam, okay? But he's talking about something that's, that's symbolic, metaphorically symbolic. You know, here's a little side note for those of you that know me well, know, know, yeah, know that I, I love going down rabbit trails. I love little history lessons. And it just so happens that when I mentioned Islam, I wanted to find out uh, what what the, what the web, what the internet has to say about the sword of Islam. And, you know, all of us know that Islam preaches, kill the infidels, right? We've heard this by, from a number of people. But here's the thing. If you do a search, and I'm not suggesting you do, but if you do a search on, on Islam, um, you'll be quick to find that the internet is actually an apologist, meaning a defender of Islam. Not true for Christianity, but they are defenders of Islam. You can get quick information about the Crusades and their cruelty. You can find out about the transgressions of the popes. You can find out about the pedophilia in the Catholic Church. You can find about all preachers that, that had a moral mis, misstep, uh, but that's not true for Islam. No, not at all. I mean, they are. it's a protected group. Rather than quote the Koran, however, because I got tired of trying to find things on, on, the, uh, on, uh, on Islam, on the Internet, um, I'll, just, I'll just quote um, Ayatollah Khomeini. Remember him? Ayatollah Khomeini, back in the 1970s, was the founder of the present Islamic state of, of Iran. Well, this is what he said, and he said it on national TV. He said, Islam says... Islam says, kill all the unbelievers just as they would kill you all. Islam says, kill them. That's the non-Muslims. Put them to the sword and scatter their armies. Kill them in the service of Allah, those who may, may want to kill you. Well, I don't know much about Islam, but I'm sure Ayatollah Khomeini did. And he's quoting what he understands to be the, one of the tenets of, Israel, of, of Islam, which is to bring a true sword. Not a symbolic sword, but a true sword. But let's get back to what we hear here. So Jesus doesn't often talk about swords, only a couple times in the Bible. This, this, word, this word sword in verse 34 uh, probably either refers to an internal struggle in a family um, or one we have uh, with ourselves, kind of an internal struggle ourselves. You know, last again, last week again, we talked about how some needed to either accept or reject the message, and, and we quoted verse 32. Jesus says this, he says, Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him will I also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. And, and these, these verses last week, I thought, were also a little bit difficult, right? The idea of, of Jesus denying us before the Father if we deny him. But I, but I focus on the, on the fact that our confession of faith is key. What we say with our lips actually matters. And we see here today that it does matter. In fact, it's essential to be on the side of Jesus because Jesus is, quite frankly, quite demanding. We saw this last week by talking about confessing before the Father and denying before the Father, and today we see it again. This time, Jesus is speaking very, very clearly. Jesus, is not, This is not Jesus speaking a parable. Jesus is being brutally honest with us. Jesus is holding nothing back. He says, do not think I came to bring peace, but I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. So why is this important? Why is it important for us to know this? Well, one of the things that scholars believe, and and I agree with them, is that Jesus is in some way correcting some false assumptions about who the Messiah is is to be. You know, according to Isaiah chapter nine, Jesus uh, the Messiah is to be described as the prince of peace. That's one of the words we have for Jesus, and we certainly understand that. However, many people felt that that peace on Earth was to come with His first coming. And Jesus is saying no, that Jesus didn't come to bring peace yet. Jesus first was going to bring more like a sword. There would be conflict. there would be people that accepted and people that rejected. Jesus says, Jesus says, he didn't come to make peace, however, God, Jesus did come to bring peace between God and man. You see that's the peace that we have in our heart. When you make Jesus the Lord of your life, God's peace covers over you. there's no longer we're no longer enmity with God. Uh, God loves us, He's always loved us and now we have an ability to love God back. The Bible says, because he loved us, we he first loved us, we can, love him. Now, is there peace on the earth? Well, certainly not. According to the Council of Foreign Relations, there are presently 27 ongoing conflicts worldwide, most of them in the Middle East, North Africa, Asia, and Sub-Sahara Africa. I think we can all agree that peace is preferable, but we don't have peace. Even though Jesus is the peacemaker and blessed are the peacemaker, conflict is inevitable. And the reason it's inevitable is because not everyone will accept this message that Jesus brings. Now, um, the goal of the gospel, remember, is to have peace with God. Jesus warns us that profound conflict should be expected between those who accept the gospel and those that reject it. And I know I'm not telling you anything new here. Likely most of the people that are watching or listening to this teaching have understood what Jesus is saying that there'll be conflict between our neighbors, our coworkers, our friends, our, 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 our family, anybody that knows who we are and what we stand for and the message that we bring. You know, there's a saying, you can talk about anything at the table, except, what? Against, except politics or religion. And we know that politics is out because people love talking about politics. They talk all the time, but don't talk about religion. In fact, more specifically, don't mention Jesus. Don't mention the Savior of the world, the one that came to, to pay for the sin of mankind that we couldn't possibly pay. You know, like, if you're like me, you, you've been there many times. I've been there many times when conflict arises because we share our religious beliefs. And the more passionate you are about your religious beliefs, our theology, and how God saves and how we're to, to worship, we're going to have conflict. Now, we're to be peacemakers and certainly try to to embrace the unity of our faith when it comes from Christian to Christian. But if you're talking to a non-believer, there's an inevitability. And that inevitability is that there's going to be conflict in the household. Um, Verse 36 says, a man's enemies will be members of his own household. You know, now, that doesn't give us permission just because we know there's going to be conflict that we're to be obnoxious. Not at all. We're not to pick fights with people. We're not to uh, call out the devil. We're not to find ways to be able to, to rile somebody's, uh, somebody's temperature, to, to get into a, a verbal uh, fight with them because of the gospel. But Jesus is telling us that it's inevitable, it, it will, ha- will happen. Uh, Paul tells us this. Paul tells us this. We need to be loving and careful and kind. Paul says this to the Ephesians. He says, walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness, that's gentleness, and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. You know, the source of the conflict we have with the people around us uh, should never be a result of our our personality or the manner of our presentation. We have to be very very careful with that. The only legitimate cause of conflict is because of the content of the message, not because of the characteristics of the individual delivering the message. The, you know, abrasive response, uh, abrasive should never response Should never be the sword that we use. Uh, we we shouldn't be using the sword. We should be using uh, kind words, uh, speaking the gospel in love. Let me move on. Verse 37 says, Jesus says, he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. You know, Jesus is not telling us here to dislike our family members. We're supposed to love our family members. But scripture is, make, is making it clear um, that, that Jesus needs to be the priority just as, as the scripture says that uh, we're to love our spouses and a man is supposed to love his, his wife like Christ loved the church, Jesus wants to make sure we also understand that Jesus is to be uh, our number one priority. You know, I remember clearly back when I was in the, in the secular world, when I was working for a large multinational corporation. In fact, I was working overseas for a number of years. Um, I had a boss uh, who loved to go, go, go. He had a number of priorities, had a number of different projects, and I was his, his right arm. And uh, he loved adding number one priorities. We would have a whole list on a blackboard, a whiteboard, of all these number one priorities. And I used to take him to task, and I said, there's only one number one. You can't have a number of number one priorities. He says, well, they're all number one. Well, Jesus is telling us this, that you can't have another number one. Jesus needs to be number one in our life and we can't love anything more than Jesus. We can't have any higher priority than the priority that Jesus gives us. Uh, you can you can likely you can likely relate to that. If you think about your um, aging and ailing parents. I told you before that my ministry for a number of years was to to seniors. Um, if you devote yourself to to seeing your children, if you devote yourself to your aging parents, if you if you make that a priority, you can easily be so consumed with their care uh, that you think that that's more important than anything else in your life, but it isn't. I mean, I, I, I know what it's like to, to take care of aging and ailing parents. I know what it's like to, to be over there three, four times a day, to be able to spend hours on end, to be able to, to take care of them if necessary, just as you do with your, you did with your children, your younger children. But Jesus is saying that you need to be able to understand that Jesus still is, is number one. You know, Christians should be known as hard workers at work, Uh, Christians should be known as good parents and committed spouses. But above all, Christians should be known as people that are committed to Jesus Christ, committed to him above all else. And now we're going to close our message and finally get to the title of our message, Lose Your Life. And that comes from verses 38 and 39. Jesus says, And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it and he who loses his life for my sake will find it." You know, Jesus is speaking to a first century audience, and the first century audience knew exactly what it meant to take up your cross. To take up your cross, he's talking about the Roman cross. The Romans were known for this cruel implement of of capital punishment, and that was crucifixion. And to take up your cross meant that you were going to the cross to be crucified. You were going to, 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 to die. And Jesus said, "You need to be able to take up your cross." His disciples knew exactly what he talked about. Now, this doesn't mean, for example, that his disciples knew that meant uh, knew that or meant uh, thought that Jesus meant that they were all going to be killed. Now, it was true that most of the apostles ended up dying a, a martyr's death, but they did not embrace that. They didn't embrace the cross, but they needed to pick up the cross. You see, there's a complete difference between wanting to be a martyr and ultimately being martyred for the cause of Jesus Christ. Ultimately, Jesus says this. He says, if, if you want to, to truly love me, you need to lose your life. You need to just let it go. Let go of all the trappings of the life. Let your, lay your life down. Once you do that, you are then free to pick it back up and to be able to pursue all of those things that God has put on your plate. Be able to be a faithful husband, to be a great father, to be able to be a great employee, to be a great employer, to be able to be a good neighbor. You can do all of those things as, you, as long as you understand that the life you live is not your own. You know, the Apostle Paul said that. He says, the life I live is not my own, but I've been crucified with Christ. And it's Christ that's not I that live, but that Christ lives in me. This is the meaning of Jesus when he says you need to lose your life. May May your resolve today be to lose your life because you have found your life in Christ. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. Father God, we want to thank you, Lord.
0: Nearly every day, it's common to see, read, or hear something about the end of the world, the apocalypse, or end times. Author and pastor Kenneth Baer's The Apocalypse and Coming Kingdom zooms in and breaks down biblical prophecy as it relates to Jesus' imminent return and the coming seven-year period including the Great Tribulation available in both paperback and Kindle versions. Get your copy on Amazon or at Barnes & Noble and select Christian Bookstores. The title again is The Apocalypse and Coming Kingdom. You can also find it listed by author Kenneth Baer. Get your copy today.